Welcome to Hope and Heresy, Life on the Religious Left, where we wrestle with contemporary issues using history and theology as our guides. Our task is to reclaim religion for everyday people who want to live meaningfully without letting arbitrary doctrine or oppressive religious practice prevent us from asking big questions about our complicated world. I'm Reverend Sarah Lindsay. And I'm Reverend Peggy Clark, and we're Unitarian Universalist Ministers broadcasting from Community Church of New York here in New York City. Hi, Peggy. Hi, Sarah. Yeah, here we are wrapping up our latest season of Hope and Heresy. Um, And we started this season just wanting to have some real sort of meaningful, deep conversations with folks that you could call, you know, Unitarian Universalist luminaries. Um, So we had five different sets of guests to each time over the course of this season, and they all answered the same question, right, which was, what is the central task facing humanity today? phrased in different ways each time, but generally what is it that humanity has to do right now um, in response to to what the world is? And we heard lots of different answers. We did. You know, I was afraid that we were going to get the same answer every time. And I wondered how we were going to keep that interesting if everyone had one thing and they didn't at all. I mean, there were there were some common themes that right? we did hear. There were things we heard over and over. Uh, Climate, people were concerned about climate. Policing came up a lot. Um, community in terms of solutions, like what is the central task? A lot of our guests talked about community. They talked about love in action. And interestingly, across you know different groups, they talked about like care and trauma and, um, and what inclusion really looks like. And which, and they came at it from different perspectives, like generational trauma, racial trauma, about um, different ways that we expand and include and heal together. That was, that was interesting to me. Yeah, it, it, it really, um, there were clear themes. Um, I think what was most interesting to me is that we also heard a really wide range of like, here's a really concrete practical thing we need, right? Like a new type of battery, right? Um, And we heard um, fundamentally humans have to change, right? Fundamentally, how we orient ourselves in the world has to be different, right? So from the very practical, right? All the way up to like humanity must evolve, right? Um, And all in between, like what the impact of money and how we use it around the world, the empowering of women and children, right? Like just a really wide range of how to um, how to approach the sort of ills of the world at the moment. And I think it makes sense because we didn't, we asked what is humanity's central task, which kind of lends itself to potentially like, here's the one task or here's humanity's like, you know, need for reformation. So it makes sense to me that we got the range we got, but I was also really glad because I was also worried it would all be the same answer all five episodes. So I was delighted with the conversations we got to have with folks. Well, and I have to say, personally, it felt like such a privilege to have these conversations and and a few of our guests. I mean, sometimes they said it when we were recording, but but often afterwards where they said what a gift it was to just kind of sink into a conversation that they wouldn't normally be able to have, which is also 
kind of fascinating, right? There's so much to be done. And so we keep doing, and we don't that often kind of lean into asking about big picture, about like, what's the umbrella? What's, what are our real visions for where we're going with them? Right. Yeah. I think um, what was curious for me was that I didn't answer the question for myself at the beginning. Like I sort of intentionally blanked my mind through the whole season and did not let myself like have an answer out of the gate. So it's been really interesting to kind of integrate the various things that folks have said and then try to think of, well, how would I answer this question, right? And I'm hopeful that our view, like our viewers and listeners have been doing the same thing, like sort of really thinking about how they would answer this big question. Um, and that's part of what we're gonna do with this very last episode of the season is you and I are gonna offer our answers um, to this big question. So can I, can I kick it to you first? Can I be like, Peggy, what do you think <laughs> is the central task of humanity today? So when I, when we started this, I didn't do what you did, right? I actually answered it for myself because I wanted to know what I, I, in part, I want to know if it was a fair question. <laughs> like, could I actually answer this? And then listening to people, I guess because we've been doing this now for a few months, but I've had time to sort of hone that answer. But it also, I also expanded the answer because so many times people would talk and I would say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's my answer. I actually think, and this may be some kind of oversimplification, but I think that the central task facing humanity right now is learning how to live in balance. We have centered humans as a species, and we have centered the individual in our culture in a way that has thrown us way out of balance. So that going back to some of these um some of the themes that we heard, right? So so the climate is out of balance. I, my original answer here was, was about community, about how we live, that I think that strong communities, that that's our answer, that, that if, what is the central task? Really building community. And that entails pushing through this hyper-individualism. It also, um, though, incorporates a lot of what, we were hearing right this idea of love in action that the only way to be authentically in community with people is if you center love right that's really the place we can all agree we we start there we act out of profound love meaningful love creating these communities of love that decenter human beings and we from there move to places of healing and inclusion and then I just want to um, highlight one particular thing that uh, Rosemary Bray McNutt said, which is um, about altering our capacity for change. So it was almost like the prerequisite question that you and I asked, right? If there is a central task, part of the the presupposition there is that that we can we can approach this question right <laughs> that that maybe there's something we could do that there is a task and we could maybe meet it so i would i would say that i think that she's right to start that we have to alter our approach to change and we do that that we do that so that we can um find balance on this planet and with each other 
bringing healing to ourselves and our community and then acting in love for, and that's how we move it from love into this questions of policing and, and you know, the nonviolence, right? I think the center of nonviolence is love. All of those things that we, that we heard. So what about you? Well, first, can I, can I like ask something first about you? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because um, one of the things that you said, which I actually, I mean, look, no surprise, like spoiler, we have quite similar answers, <laughs> it turns out. But my question is, you're, you were talking about like decentering, right, humanity, which like, yes, A plus. Um, but the question of like, small, strengthening small community, right, as a way of decentering humans. And I think it's really interesting, because I would, I would sort of have argued that like, and I'm not against, obviously, the cultivation of like strong local community, but that strong local human community decenters the individual, but doesn't necessarily do the work of decentering the human, right? That like you can totally have like a really wonderfully supportive, deeply engaged congregation that is still centering humans as opposed to, right? That's decentering the individual, but still centering humans. Now I know you, so I know that like you're invested deeply, right, in decentering humans and reintegrating Earth and its creatures, and right. So I guess the question of like, how do we ensure that our small, strong local communities are not still privileging humanity, but are also? Do you see what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's funny because um, <laughs> because you're right. In some way, like the way it's the way my brain works. I am actually sitting right now at a desk with a laptop, but behind me is this huge window that looks out on all these trees and a pond and um and when I work you know my community is like me and my family behind me and the dogs beside me and then all of the creatures that are on the other side countless creatures on the other side of this window so yeah when I think I tend to think outside of the centering of humanity in general so but that is the task right the task is and and that's there's great intentionality around that. You have to make a point of noting the world. And and part of it is we have to do this with and for each other. Yeah. So always stretching ourselves to ask who's included, who's included in all our decisions, who's included, you know, someone was talking about moving resources, right? What is the effect of all the how we move our resources. We talk about the front line. Is the planet on the front line? You know, so who so which isn't to say that we devalue the humans on the front line, but that we live in balance with them, that we have to shift all of our sense of ourselves very intentionally. And I think that's the work. Yeah, it's it's funny, right? I have um a couple of my kids are like desperately love animals right and like the creatures of the earth and it has it has actually been an effort to get them to stop viewing humans as like horrible you like their orientation from the time they were little a couple of them has been like humans are awful they've destroyed everything we should all disappear because animals are better and it's like how do you find right that space in between right and that's sort of the extremism of childhood too but it's an interesting that question of balance and how we is really interesting right how we sort of recenter other things but don't also then totally devalue humanity itself right like yeah well and I would so love I have to say that the idea of being in a community a community that wanted to do that that wanted to 
to shift into functioning as a single body in balance with each other and earth. Like that would be the most energizing work for me. I would stop everything to be part of that. Become part of that. Yeah. Yeah. So what would your answer be? So unsurprisingly, right, there's overlaps to your answer and there's overlaps to, to the folks that we've spoken to. Um, for me, I went on the, I erred on the side of like big kind of fundamental change, right? Because I, my position, I think, I'm going to float it. We'll see how I feel about it after I say it. My position is that a lot of the practical things we need to do won't happen until there's some fundamental changes in human sort of self-understanding in a way. <clears throat> right. In other words, like, like we can argue against individualism and capitalism and all of these things, but those are like extremely strong, super sort of um, we're socialized this way. And I will acknowledge right now I'm coming from a, you know, American Western perspective. So some of the things that I'm saying, like we, you know, I come out of my context. Right. Um, but that in order to get us away from sort of the nationalism and the capitalism and the selfishness, there has to be, I think, a much more sort of fundamental reorientation of humans. So what I wrote down, my little page of notes, um, was that I think that the fundamental thing we need to do is not only reconnect to each other, right? Like I agree with you about sort of the, the leaning harder into our interdependence as humans, but also as creatures of earth, um, but also to recall relearn, learn for the first time, um, our own humility, right? That like, so this, and I, I will confess, I preach about it a lot, but that kind of the largeness and the smallness of, of humanity, right? So, um, you know, I've been thinking a lot as all of the James Webb telescope images have come out and like, we talk all the time about how like the very stuff of our humanness is the same stuff that is, you know, billions of miles away out in the galaxy. And I think that it's it's that piece that we're too often missing is that like, I am both powerful and I am the tiniest, most meaningless speck of nothingness in the vast context of the universe, right? And that if we had a better grasp of the brevity of our lives, if we had a better grasp of our place in the universe, in all of existence, in all of creation, right? That both honored our, our, our power and our strength and our capacity to create, but also honored, like, there's so much else, right? On this planet alone, there's so much else. Out in the universe, there's so much else, right? And then if we could kind of recapture that, I like to think that that would help us do that same decentering that you're talking about, right? That it would take, it would put humanity in its place, if I can say it that way, right? And that might actually facilitate potentially, hopefully, a deeper understanding of interdependence and then, right, could let us relax or release some of our sort of scarcity mentality, our intense need to, to have for ourselves or have for our loved ones, right? The sort of like a little bit of the tribalism, a little bit of the like harsh borderlines. If we could just understand ourselves as all sort of part of the same thing, <laughs> maybe it would be easier um, to actually approach the things that are ailing us as a species and as you know communities at every level if we could just stop thinking in such isolationist individualist terms. And I think the way to get there is to fundamentally reorient ourselves to our own existence um, and to each other, I think. So, but how... 
like what would be, and I'm thinking this for myself too, like, so what's the first step in that? How do you get from right, like this sort of fundamental brokenness I think we're at to this, you know, perfection, beautiful little <laughs> yeah, right. Fundamentally, how do you change everything about how humans currently live? Um, it's a great question. It's a great question, right? And on the one hand, um, what we've been trying, like if we think about climate change, right? What we've been trying for a long time with climate change, you know, in large part using fear, right? If we don't make a difference or if we don't make a change, these are the horrible outcomes that are going to happen. And similarly with things like anti-racism or misogyny or um, the wealth inequality, right? Wealth gap in this, it's certainly in America, globally, you know, nothing that we've been doing seems to be working as well as we would have hoped, right? And whether that's because fear is actually not a great motivator or because we aren't getting at the root, which is that fundamental change in orientation, I don't know. So I think that there are two um, two things and, I'm, and I, I am aware of the time. So I'm just going to say it really briefly. But one of them is that when we were uh, shut down for COVID, it felt like everything was urgent enough that everyone acted together. We didn't hold it, right? There was, it took a while and people then got angry and there was all kinds of stuff. But for a little while there, it was sort of this universal, let's lock it down, try and stop what's happening. And I had this intense feeling of hope at the time like oh if everyone knows there's an emergency we can act together and I have held on now it broke down and it got really ugly but I have held on to that vision really well because actually there is an emergency with climate and there's and I wonder can we get to a place where there's an emergency culturally where we really like get serious about change so that's that's one thing and the other thing that I'm thinking is that I think a lot of this has to do with um with wanting it well I mean I guess that's the same thing <laughs> but 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 individual so so the big picture how does everything change because everyone wants it at the same time but also there's this way in which individual people can say I am going to make this change i'm going to build one relationship i'm going to shift towards healing and and see what happens and i think in congregations we can do that so i agree with you i think the hope is actually in the individual heart turning i want to i want to push back a little bit on the on the first part that you said because i actually like my what I came out of pandemic feeling and I will confess what I continue to feel is that we are still in this place where the individualism and the scarcity is so strong that unless that emergency is impacting me directly I am not going to change my life I'm not going to do anything about it so until I feel viscerally the effects of climate change until I'm the victim of oppression of some kind until war comes to my shores, I'm not gonna do anything differently than I'm doing. Actually, human history would suggest that until or unless something threatens me or mine, right? I'm not, I'm not mixing in, I'm not getting involved. And that threat could be financial, existential, whatever, but that most humans don't actually react with the kind of open-hearted, compassionate, inclusive, widening empowering that all of our guests talked about and so it's like how do you get people to stop 
only, how do you get the apathy to stop, right? And get people to react when it isn't just like, like how do you get them to react if it isn't affecting them personally, you know? And I think you're right. You have to just have it be one person by one person by one person, right? And that like slowly, hopefully that has a rippling empowering effect across small communities across the world, right? Am I being too pessimistic, Peggy? No, no. And I hear you. And, and yes, <laughs> we still live this hyper individualistic and it almost makes me sad that what we're saying is what we need is an individual turn to the whole, but, and, but there are two other things. <laughs> One is this idea that God, God is becoming, which I think is very powerful for me in this moment. And the other is that I think we can actually do this communally in communities that already exist. And I really do think congregations, I know I've said it before, but I think that at their best congregations can be sources of wild transformation. And when communities come together, communities that already exist like that, where people don't have the challenges you might have with say like in a school district or in your neighborhood, but in a congregation where people are already in some way living, you know, on the same page or out of the same stories, that there's a way to say, how do we together make this turn toward love, decenter self, decenter humans, and shift into balance and have like but I, I also really I believe in evolution. So I, I think, you know, clearly the human race is not as evolved as we need to be. And we may be out living our capacity, right? We we may have actually done such damage to this platform for our living that we will no longer be able to survive. And that is what happens to species. And that may be what has happened to us. And I don't think it'll be too long, frankly, before we know the answer to that question. I think according to the clock, we have six years and 83 days as of this recording. So We'll find out soon, but but I do believe in evolution. I believe in the evolution of God. I do. I actually believe that that I believe in a God becoming, and I believe that the more we are putting this out and pushing ourselves and stretching ourselves and connecting with each other, that we are in fact creating something that we are adding to this spirit of love that undergirds everything, and that there is there's sort of a race, <laughs> which is what's going to win first, what gets there first. So to go back to your question of like, what is the like practical first, like, what do we do? Everyone should join a congregation or like, <laughs> a or like a small group of people doing a good thing, right? Like, I mean, that's fundamentally part of what we're saying. And it certainly was echoed in, in some of our guests too, right? That like intentional cultivation of community is the thing that's going to help you transform, right? And we've said this to each other before that you know, there's a lot you can do on your own for your spirit and your beliefs and your meditation and all of that, but that actually that evolution, that transformation is best done in community. So it doesn't have to be a UU congregation, but it, you know, somewhere where you're being partnered and supported and companioned on the journey, because part of the journey is actually connecting to others and increasing that love and increasing that compassion and understanding so maybe that's the first step mm. you know I almost am hearing like the next season 
<laughs> maybe maybe the next season is like unpacking it all like taking all the answers that everyone gave and trying to work through like what are the what are the real next steps here what really has to happen i'm down all right me too <laughs> this has been a really interesting season sarah yes thank you Peggy. i'm glad that we like took this risk and did something different yeah, yeah. it was interesting it was it was good to talk to all those people it was like a huge oh. gift to talk to yes thank people. you again to all of our guests it was great um right. yeah and i'll see you soon see you soon Bye. <laughs>